Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to be speaking this morning with Mr. Asher Brass. He's joining us here from Scenario. Scenario is a leading provider of healthcare, IoT, cybersecurity, and asset management solutions. He's joining us to talk about the company's recent discovery of Jekyllbot 5. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Mr. Asher Brass. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Scenario. Absolutely. So uh, I've been uh, in the cybersecurity profession for about nine years now. I started in the uh, in the IDF here in the Israeli Army and military intelligence, and uh, I've been with Scenario for about a year and a half now. Uh, I'm head of the Scenario Live team. Uh, what we do in our team uh, is uh, quite a bit of uh, network research, cybersecurity related research, trying to figure out uh, how we can best uh, identify different medical devices on our customers' networks, uh, how we can see different kinds of IoT devices, and how we can flag risks for them and also help prioritize for healthcare providers which risks are most urgent and which ones they should deal with and how exactly they should help uh, mitigate those risks on their networks. Well, just before we talk about Scenario's recent discovery of a five zero day vulnerability collectively, as I said, called Jekyllbot 5, what is IoT security? Absolutely. So uh, IoT, also known as uh, Internet of Things, uh, any, uh, well, it's a little funny, but it's basically anything that is connected to a network that you wouldn't normally uh, think of as a computer or mm -hmm. some sort of classic IT device, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a smartwatch connected to a network, that's IoT. Even your phone is technically considered IoT. But also things like, uh, you know, uh, temperature monitor monitors and uh, pneumatic tube systems and all kinds of mm -hmm. uh, strange and uh, uh, interesting devices that might be connected to a healthcare network. I've been in hospitals lots of times, and there are many, many devices that I wouldn't really think of as a computer, like a laptop or something that I could do any work on. Are you saying that the majority of these devices are connected to some type of network? Absolutely. I'm. Uh, it's a really good point, actually. I'm often shocked when I walk into a hospital nowadays by how many things I would never have even considered, you know, would be connected to a network, have no real purpose, in my opinion, to be connected to a network. But then once you actually, you know, are in a hospital's network and you see what they're doing and why they're doing that, I guess it makes sense from a certain perspective. But yeah, the amount of interconnectedness of devices inside hospitals nowadays is staggering. Zero-day vulnerabilities. What are these five zero-day vulnerabilities that have uh, come to be known collectively as Jekyllbot 5? Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about the product first that we found them on, and then I can explain what the great, vulnerabilities great. actually lead to. So... Um, Athon uh, manufacture a, a, a semi-autonomous uh, smart robot called uh, Tug. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually a, a brilliant little device. It uh, uh, steps in and helps hospitals deal with a lot of things that they previously had trouble with, like uh, massive transportation of, uh, you know, sometimes uh, things that don't seem that important, like linens and uh, uh, cleaning supplies and things like that, but also uh, pharmaceuticals from place to place. Uh, laboratory samples, sometimes between labs, sometimes, you know, hospital staff have to cover great distances. And these are really tasks that you could automate and you can automate with these uh, smart robots. Uh, and they can be pre-programmed to uh, carry out uh, routine tasks every so often. So all in all, a, a product that's, that's very useful and, and obviously needs to be uh, communicated with through the network of a, of a healthcare provider. 
Now, when you're talking about these tug robots, are we talking about the type of robot that can actually deliver meds to a room like a smart car? Or are we talking about bots on a network that are assisting with the transfer of data? No, I'm, t- I'm talking about a physical robot. Okay. It's, okay. Uh, it, 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 you know, they have various models, but mm-hmm. it can come to about uh, four, four feet tall. Okay. And okay. Uh, it will even it will even greet you if it sees you in the corridor. It'll say good morning or good afternoon okay. or some some you know sort of respectful greeting. Uh, and in theory, you could use it to deliver medication to patients. Although, as I understand, that is not the uh, intended function, nor is that the recommended function. Mm-hmm. It's it's typically for transportation of uh, medicine between pharmacies or from pharmacy to a staff that then does the dispensation. These are found all over the world, these uh, these tug robots, correct, in, in hospitals everywhere? Absolutely, absolutely. There, there are a lot of them in the United States and North America, but also in Europe and Asia. Uh, we've uh, found evidence of them being all over the place, really. Now, I also understand that Scenario also recently released a State of Healthcare IoT Device Security Report. Give us an insight to the main takeaways of this report. Absolutely. So, um, you know, there's a lot of anecdotal data and stories when you talk to healthcare providers about whether their devices are or aren't secure. We did a very interesting thing, uh, which is we took, uh, uh, we aggregated a lot of data, obviously uh, uh, anonymized data to protect uh, patient safety and, and our client safety and stuff like that. Uh, but we did aggregate a lot of data and we, we really proved and showed just how insecure these networks can be. Um, and it, it really, some, some of the numbers are astonishing. Um, more than half of all uh, connected medical devices, so things like infusion pumps and patient monitors and ventilators, more than half of these medical devices have known critical vulnerabilities that could allow for disruption of service or data leakage or even total takeover by an attacker. Um, just as, well, I, I actually didn't mention about the vulnerabilities, but uh uh, the Jekyllbot 5 vulnerabilities allow for a complete takeover of the Aethon robots. So in a similar way, these are critical vulnerabilities on these robots that could allow an attacker to, um, well, the imagination runs wild. I'm sure you can imagine with physical robots that can move around the hospital what sort of damage they could cause. Understanding that cyber criminals are constantly trolling the the network of this organization, that organization, looking for vulnerabilities. Can't the process weed out these vulnerabilities? Because they're, they're obviously built in if they have to be exploited. They already exist. Well, sometimes they already exist. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're newly discovered. Sometimes they're uh, what you might call emergent behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you buy a medical device, for instance, mm-hmm. you might... Uh, you might say, okay, well, this vendor, you know, I trust this and this vendor, and I'm sure that they did their due diligence. But the vendor is relying on uh, numerous other softwares and libraries that are installed inside those softwares. And it gets genuinely difficult to keep track of what this device may or may not be capable of. And really seeing it in, in a real-world environment shows you all kinds of vulnerabilities you might not know just from reading about it in a spec sheet or something like that. Tell us more about Jekyllbot 5, if you would. Uh, so uh, the Jekyllbot 5 vulnerabilities are uh, uh, basically two different ways, right? These vulnerabilities sum to two completely independent ways of uh, uh, for an attacker to take control of these Aethon Tug robots that I mentioned earlier. Um, and once the, the attacker has that control, they can manipulate these devices in various ways. They can move them from place to place. They can take pictures of patients, staff, uh, and of the facility. 
Uh, and they can even unlock drawers or interfere with day-to-day -day clinical activities in a way that can be incredibly disruptive to a hospital. Um, and closing one of these vulnerabilities is not enough. You really have to close all five in order to make sure these devices are secure. Scenario uh, works very closely with Athon, with the manufacturer of these robots, in order to uh, 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 come up with some patches that do actually mitigate and fix these vulnerabilities. Um, and uh, if you have this product, please make sure you reach out to Athon and that you have the latest patch version uh, that uh, secures these devices. I think one of the things that hospitals can do, and, and some of them are starting to do this, but they really need assistance because it's a complicated process, is to segment their networks internally. So, you know, the classic approach to security is if I make sure that nothing bad comes from outside the network, then I won't get infected in the first place and then uh, I'll be safe. But it's getting harder and harder to track what could and couldn't get into a hospital's network. And so it, it's really becoming more and more important to segment various parts. So if I have infusion pumps, mm -hmm. I want to make sure these infusion pumps can only talk to the server they're supposed to be able to talk to, no one else. And that way, even if there is an infection in my network, I'm keeping the most critical uh, devices secure because they can't communicate with uh, any infected uh, machines. How much responsibility is it on the client to tackle that learning curve and um, do some of their due diligence? And how much lies with Scenario to make sure that they have each and everything that they need to mitigate these threats? So we need uh, uh, very little from the from the healthcare providers mm -hmm. in order to start giving them, uh, you know, day one protection. Um, basically, w what we need is a, a cooperation agreement with them and, and some sort of network access. And then that's all of the information they have to provide us in order for us to start our work. Mm -hmm. Obviously, once we get to the stage of mitigating risks and trying to figure out how we can uh, make sure that uh, if there is an attack, it's not as severe as it could be or avoid attack in the first place. Obviously, then we do need uh, cooperation from the uh, actual uh, uh, IT or security staff in the hospital in order to make sure that those are uh, implemented. Asher, give us a website where our listeners can learn more. Absolutely. You can go to Scenario.com and you can find uh, additional information about our uh, uh, data report and also about the JekyllBot 5 vulnerabilities there. And Scenario is spelled C-Y-N-E-R-I-O dot com. Is that correct? Correct. Great, great. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us here on Health Professional Radio and providing this information. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Asher Brass, head of cyber network analysis team at Scenario. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download it, SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com. Health Professional Radio.